John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hey, it's me, Ed Peterson. Oh, hey, Ed. It's me, John Kiltica. What's going on, John? You know, hanging out, doing my thing. It's 2023. It is still 2023. Yeah, let's do a mustache check. Oh, mustache check. I deliberately trimmed it all up for you. It's coming in pretty healthy. It's pretty healthy, yeah, sure. I went and hung out with some of Carter's friends yesterday. What's up with the Gen Z's? A lot of stashes. Really? A lot of stashes. A lot of, like, dudes looking like narcs. Really? Yeah. So the cop stash is coming back, maybe? Pretty heavy duty with the kids and you. Right there in the pocket. <laughs> yeah. Can we also get a voice check? Here I am on the voice check. <laughs> God damn, John. Yeah, I had what I guess was a really bad cold. Yeah. And all the coughing and that stuff just wrecked my voice. Yeah. There was a sweet spot there for like two days where it was... Real sexy. We're glad you could be here. Welcome to the High Gain Podcast. We talk about mustaches. We do. Deep voices. Deep voices, yes. Guitars. Guitars. Amps, pedals. Now that we've checked on my voice and I told you the whole story... Thanks for asking, Ed. I'm much better. (laughs) (laughs) 
Beverages. Beverages, Ed. That was pretty cool. Some mellow, jazzy stylings. It had some cool chords in it. I've got a crow mug. You do have the crow mug again, yes. It's full of hot coffee. And I have... Dirt water. Oat milk and some Huel protein powder. Is there creosote in that? Uh, no, actually, after we record, I'm going to go to the gym. What are you going to the gym for? I'm going to do some squats, some deadlifts. Dead squats? Ooh. Speaking of creosote, I finished Stella Maris, the second book that Cormac McCarthy released in the last six months. Got a summary? Man, it's the companion book to The Passenger. The Passenger is kind of normal McCarthy dude who's like a salvage diver, but he constantly mentions his sister. So Stella Maris is the sister's story, except beginning to end, 100% of the book is transcriptions of her therapy sessions. Wild. Cormac McCarthy style, there's no quotation marks and there's no attribution of who's speaking. Did you like it? I think The Passenger is great. I think Stella Maris is interesting after reading The Passenger. You kind of have to read them together. Got it. Book Talk with John and Ed. Book Talk with John and Ed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, too, have coffee, Ed. Yeah. And I have, again, this roar that I've been enjoying because it's complete hydration. Mm. This flavor is Georgia peach, and it's very good. Where are they out of? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Great. This, Ed, mm -hmm. is an Epiphone guitar. This is the Al Keola model. Al Keola. I thought I'd tell you a little bit about Al. Good enough to get his own model. Good enough to get the first artist signature model ever on an Epiphone. Huh. What year is this guitar? This particular one is 1968. Did they not get into the signature game until the 60s? They didn't get into the signature game until Gibson bought them. The whole time mm. Epiphone was a brand, before Gibson bought them, they had no artist models. Okay. Yeah. This is like a U.S.-made Epiphone? It is, yes. Made in Gibson's custom shop Oh. in Kalamazoo in the 60s. This would have been the same people making the custom Gibsons. Okay. Right off the bat, you may notice that it looks strikingly similar to the ES-335 yep. or 330 in that range. Yeah. Or on the Epiphone side of things, like the Sheraton or the Casino. No F-holes. It's got those dog-ear P90s. Yes. But they're like that chrome cover kind of thing. So yes. they're like pretty shiny, fancy looking. And then that control plate is pretty wild. There's one, two, three, four, five, six switches on a guitar with only two pickups. Ed's right. There are these six switches. Those are called the tone expressor switches. Oh. One volume, one tone. Uh-huh. A pickup selector. Two position, three position. Two position. Weird. You cannot have both pickups. Oh, no kidding. It is one or the other. Okay. So here's the neck. And then, as bridgey as it'll get... We've talked about 335s before. 
We have. Acoustically, why do 335s have F-holes if they have pickups? You know, I look at this and there's no F-holes, but then like, what do the F-holes do when you're actually going through the pickup? I guess my core question is you take this guitar. Yes. We play something with this guitar. Uh-huh. You then put F-holes with the same pickups, the same electronics, everything the same. And is it actually in a recording of the electrified signal gonna sound any different than without the F-holes? I see what you're saying. Maybe not. Yeah. My question is, do the F-holes matter? Good question. <laughs> I'm gonna say yeah. I don't know. Okay. You wanna know about Al? I want to know everything there is to know about Al. When was he born? Our man Al was born in 1920, Ed. Okay. Jersey City, New Jersey. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know what exit? Jersey City does not lie on the parkway. Oh. But I figured out a way to get there anyway that involves the parkway. If you're anywhere near the parkway heading north, you want to go to exit 142. Oh, okay. And right there, take Route 78 east. Okay. And you're going to drive right into Jersey City. Okay. If you go too far, just keep going east. You're going to end up in the Hudson River. So maybe oh. don't do that. Hudson River, not the ocean. No. From the waterfront of Jersey City, you're mm -hmm. staring at Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. He was the son of a barber, our man Al Kaola. That's a great profession. This retirement dream has been in my brain forever. Of being a barber? I don't think I want to touch people's heads. So that's where it kind of falls apart. What I actually want is to have a combination comic book store barbershop. So you can just like sit around and hang out and kick it with your friends. But then it's also a barbershop. So you can read your comic as you're getting your hair cut. Geeking out with your barber. Yeah. I think there's a market for comic book barbershop. You know, West Seattle, there's a neon sign of the psychic barbershop yes right you go in you get your cards read you get your hairs did yeah i wonder if the psychic barber ever psychics himself out of barber work mm -hmm. dude comes in and the guy gets a vibe and it's like can't cut your hair dude i don't think you're gonna need a haircut yep really why not make sure your affairs are in order yeah you know what i'm saying so by the time he was like 15 our man al yeah. It's a working musician in New York City. There's a tunnel goes between Jersey City and New York City. Oof. Knock on wood, it's still there. 1910 tech under the water. Oof. There were times where I'd be in that train and maybe the train would stop. Mm -hmm. Maybe the lights would even go out. Ugh. And I'm thinking, wow, I have the entirety of the Hudson River over my head right now. Not my jam at all. <laughs> yeah. So he got his union card, Al. At 15. Yeah. If you had a union card, you could play all the clubs. God bless the unions. Yeah. So this is 1935. Al is a young adult. Okay. 15 to 20s, playing the gigs. And We're ramping into World War II, 1940. Yeah. And our man Al, he yeah. does his thing. He enlists. God bless Al. In the Marines. Oof. He becomes a Marine. They find out he can play. So they put him in the Marine band. And he's touring all around with Bob Crosby's big band in the Pacific Islands. But at the end of the day, he is a Marine. Mm -hmm. So when the shit hits the fan, they all had to put down the instruments and go get your Marine on. Yeah. Unfortunately for Al, his time to do that was at Iwo Jima. Wow. 
assigned to active combat duties. Mm-hmm. Sounded like a pretty sweet gig up until that part. Yeah. That's the flag, right? Yeah. That picture of the Marines yeah. hoisting the flag. I got a quote for you from our man Al Keola. A quote? Yeah. Apparently Al, like a lot of the people of that generation, didn't like to get into details, didn't like to yeah. talk about it, didn't want to be asked about it. But there yep. is one quote about Iwo Jima. It was bad. Those islands were landing strips with cemeteries attached. Yeah. I don't know if that's generationally a thing. My uncle was in Korea. My dad was in Vietnam. I have like no Korea or Vietnam stories from those dudes. All the talking, they saved that for Ed. We'll let Ed do the talking. What was Pops' name? Ronald Herbert Peterson. Hit him with the dong. Sorry about that, Pops Peterson. Ken Peterson, hit him with a dong. Yep, not a lot of talking. This thing sounds pretty good. It sounds great. The pickup selector switch, you get one or the other. I'm going to go into the neck. And I just put the tone in the middle. So now, these tone expression switches mm -hmm. each do something different along the sort of EQ spectrum. Sure. Got it. Some low action. Next one. Also fairly low. Getting higher. Yeah. yeah. 21st century style. Let's go back to the bridge pickup and crank the treble now that we're on that high EQ. Right. Chase Bliss Benson preamp. Yes. Mark II. Mark II. With those kind of EQ things, you can get close to what you would be getting with two pickups on anyway, I think. So here I am back on the neck pickup. But it's not so necky because I'm dealing with these switches. And that seems fine for a session cat. Oh, I'm doing the lead section. Let me sculpt that tone with these knobs and switches. And then the rhythm part, I'm doing this jazzy thing, super necky, right? With completely different switches. You can't do that live because there's six switches you got to go on and off and then play with the tone control and the pickup selector. There's no way. I mean, it seems like a really cool session guitar. It seems like a pretty rough thing to switch between live. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe he just got really good at doing that and there was enough pause between sections of songs that he could actually do it fast. The weird part was he wasn't consulted on this. Oh. They were like, hey, Al Keola, you want an artist signature model? Yeah, okay. This is what he got. Oh, really? Huh. Let's pick it back up. Oh. Post-World War II. Yeah. He comes home and marries his sweetheart. Great. Rosalie Fiocco from the neighborhood. Of course. And so Al decides, okay, I'm back from the war. I got to make some money. I'm going to audition for the CBS Orchestra. Oh, cool. So I can play on this wacky new thing called TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He auditions and he gets it. Okay. Al's not afraid of anything. Yeah. He was on Iwo Jima. Right. Camera going to bother this guy? No. Mm -mm. He got 125 bucks a week in 1947. It's like $1,600. Is that true? Yeah. That was probably enough for him to buy a house, 
buy a car. Rosalie did not work, and he started a family with that much money. He continued doing session work on the side. Who'd he play with? Frank Sinatra. Heard of him. Jersey guy, right? Yeah, Jersey guy, Hoboken. Okay. When Ed Sullivan came on mm. on the TV box. Heard of him. Al played behind him. Sure. Our man Al. Didn't like him. He did not like Ed Sullivan. Huh. Yeah. He said he was a cold tomato. <laughs> you remember the way Sullivan looked? That was the same way he acted. You saw some terrible things happen in Iwo Jima. How do you vent? Cold tomato, baby. That's Sullivan. Cold tomato. <laughs> and people were probably just like, oh, Did you tomato. hear? Al called Sullivan a cold tomato. <laughs> he did not. Yeah, he did. So into the 1950s, mm -hmm. he's getting so much studio work, Al, mm -hmm. that he's like, you know what? I think I can make more dough just doing that. So he quits the full-time gig at CBS sure. on good terms with everybody mm -hmm. and goes out full-time as a session cat. Full-time as a session cat just means hustle, doesn't it? Yes. He was doing three sessions a day of three hours each. So that's nine hours right there. Sure. And then he would pick up a night session at like 1130 at night and then come back at 10 in the morning, do the whole thing all over again. And the expectation was you could read any piece of paper they put in front of you. Sure. And if you could help it, they needed that shit in one take. Yeah. Some examples. Lay it on me. You know that song, Mrs. Robinson? I'm familiar with Mrs. Robinson. Al's on that. Really? Yeah. Huh. Stand By Me, Benny King? Yeah. That's Al on there. Huh. You know Mac the Knife? Bobby uh, Darren's version of Mac the Knife? Uh, for sure. That's Al on that. Okay. One of these late night sessions he was doing? Yep. The producer was giving everybody a heads up. This woman is coming in to record. She's new. And the producer said, this girl's a kook. Mm. And so all the musicians were like, we don't care. Mm -hmm. Bring her in, man. Mm -hmm. And the quote from our man Al is, so this girl comes in and sings Bye Bye Blackbird. Man, everybody was gassed. She was a Greenwich Village chick, leather boots, the whole wardrobe. But boy, could she sing. Any guesses? This is early 1960s. Nancy Sinatra? No. Barbara Streisand. No. Oh. Everybody was gassed, man. I'm sure Babs comes in, you know, you sense royalty. Yeah. You get gassed, baby. Now Al is going out there. He starts recording his own albums. He's given everything the treatment. Oh. The songs of the day he's redoing, movie themes he's redoing, and he scores a couple of hits with the theme from Bonanza, the TV show. Oh. And the theme from The Magnificent Seven, that movie. I'm familiar with both of them. Yeah. Those were very popular. And he wrote those. He did not. Okay. They appeared in the TV show and the movie. Then he put out an album on which they appeared. He charted with them. Oh. His versions were considered definitive. Sure. The definitive Bonanza song. Yeah. <laughs> he kept doing albums like that. Oh, here's some Western stuff. Here's some Spanish stuff. Here's some jazzy stuff. He recorded over 50 albums. Yeah. You know, you go through the album bin. And you can find those albums that are standards. Yeah. Dude made money cranking those things out. Sure. And still doing all his session work on the side. Yeah. So I think in light of that, that's why Gibson approaches him. Sure. Up until that point, Epiphone, even before Gibson bought them, had never had an artist model. Yeah. Al was the first. Good work, Al. So when this thing comes out in 1963, it doesn't look like this one we're looking at. This is a 68. Yes. Instead of these P90s, mm -hmm. it has mini humbuckers. 
And instead of these dot inlays, mm -hmm. it's considerably fancier. It's got the big block inlays on it. Okay. So, Ed, in 1963, mm. the Al Keola by Epiphone, $1963. 63. It still had the control panel? Yes. But mini humbuckers. Yes. Something happened, and my 1963 inflation calculator has scrambled. I'm going to say $419. That's not bad. Yeah? I'm not going to say it's accurate, <laughs> but it's not bad. More or less? It's more. 532 bucks. There you go, Ed. It was five and a quarter. Okay. For reference, yeah. the Sheraton was 545 Okay. And then in today dollars, that's got to be 3700 bucks. It's five grand. Oh, my God. Yeah. In 66, they come out with another version. This one I'm holding. They call this one the Alcaola Standard. Mm-hmm. It's got the P90s yeah. instead of the humbuckers. Mm-hmm. It's got dot inlays instead of the block inlays. Yeah. So you got to wonder, if you're going to call this the Alcaola and it's going to be the standard, what about the fancier one? Yeah. What are we going to do about that, boss? Right. Let's call that the custom. Okay. They didn't change anything on the fancy yeah. one. They just renamed it. Do you got a price on the standard? Yes. Like I want to, okay. You want to give it a shot? 525 for the fancy boy. A couple years later, they're making the lower end model to appeal to like a broader audience. Knocking like 20% of the price off. So 425. You did wonderfully, Ed. Yeah. It was 420. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of had some Midwest emo-y vibes going on. Thanks. That's what this guitar sounds like. Pretty good, huh? But by 1969, mm. they discontinued all the Al Keola models. Unrelated to any Al behavior. When Al left the building in yeah. 2016. Woof. 97. 97. Congrats, Al. Hey, guess what? What? When Al passed, he was still married to Rosalie. 69 years. Do we still got Rosalie? I couldn't find anything past 2016. I like to think she's in Palm Springs, chilling by a pool right now. She's doing great. Yeah. Rosalie. You gotta try it. Try and decide. Is it hello or goodbye? This thing doesn't have F-holes on it. <laughs> I know. But it does have P90s. Okay. And a whole bunch of switches that let you do stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Epiphone Al Keola Standard, Ed. Mm-hmm. Buy or deny? Nah, I don't want this. I think the history's cool. It's the switches. It's 100% the switches. I mean, I don't know. You a big Al Keola head? This is your jam right here. We should all be Keola heads. I am now. <laughs> What about you? What do you think of this thing? I would give this a buy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sounds really great. It does. You've already pointed out that it's going to be more useful to somebody in a recording situation. For sure. Somebody live? Yeah, it could be a rough go. Maybe <laughs> you just set it somewhere and forget it. Exactly. Let's take pictures of this. Oh, you want to? Where should we put them? Let's put them up on the Instagram okay. like we do. Okay. Let's put them up on our webpage place. Yeah. Thehighgain.com. You know what we're going to do? What? 
We'll take a picture of just the tone control and we'll put it on the Instagram today, Sunday. That picture is going to be posted five minutes from now. Yeah. So all you people listening to this in the future, in the future time, could you guess from that tone control what the guitar was? How many Kaola heads we got out there? Yeah. Sea heads. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, until then, we are still Mm -hmm. proud contributing members. Of oh, the yeah. ruinous media network of music-related podcasts. I would say we are their, I don't know, ninth most popular podcast or something at this point. With a bullet. Ninth most popular. Yeah. And that's saying something because they have, like, what, eight podcasts? <laughs> yeah, so go check out Ruinous Media and listen to all that stuff. Yeah. And we'll see you next time, Ed. Okay, bye. All right, bye.